0: Well, I'm going to preach on giving this morning. No, I'm kidding, I'm not. Turn it out that way almost, but Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, if you will, this morning. And we're going to get there in a couple minutes. Um, I, just, I didn't have a great jumping off point as far as a, a specific text this morning. You'll see what I mean when we get to that. But the idea I want to get across to you this morning comes from the life of Christ. And obviously... It, everything that we do, uh, Jesus Christ is our great example in all of those things, and the Bible reminded that as believers, Jesus Christ is our ultimate example. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Um, it's, that is, it, it can't get any clearer than that. We're told in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 6, He that abideth in him ought to so also walk, even as he walked. So, the things that Jesus Christ did. Now, there are some people that say, Oh, Jesus Christ came to be a great teacher. He came to be a great example. He came to save sinners. That's what the Bible says. Um, Paul says, Of whom I am chief. But that's why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. But in the process of doing that, he also was a great example for us. And everything that he did... He was God. He was God in the flesh, and this is something that we can't understand and and never will understand until we get to heaven. How can you be 100% God and 100% man? You're either all God or all man or a mixture of the two. But Jesus Christ was both, and that's something that he was God in the flesh. He had all of the characteristics, all of the humanity that we have, and he felt the same things that we feel. But he was also God. And so he had all knowledge. He had all the attributes of God. And that's something that for us we cannot understand. But most certainly, this side of heaven, we're never going to attain that sinless perfection that Jesus Christ had on this earth. But we should also be trying to sin less as we mature as Christians. And the less we sin, the more we are like Christ. Now, we're never going to be perfect. We cannot be, because we're not Christ. We're not God and man. We're all man. We are 100% human. He was 100% God and 100% human, and that's why he could live a sinless life. And by the way, that's the only way that he could have lived and still be our Savior. He was sinless. But I'm interested in an aspect of Christ's life that holds application to every believer, whether regardless of age, regardless of ability. And it's the matter of obedience. Now, there's admonition all the way throughout the Bible when it comes to this idea of obedience. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, we have that. We have in uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 17. That's the, uh, 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 to believers regarding the spiritual authorities that are in their life. Uh, in in um. Romans chapter 13, where it, talk, it talks about the fact that we are to obey civil authorities. In fact, turn over to Acts chapter 5. Keep your finger there in Hebrews 8. We're going to come right to it. But the Bible is filled with instructions on the matter of obedience. Now, there is one exception to that, uh, to, the, to the rule or to the law or to the command in Romans chapter 13 for us to obey civil authorities. And this comes from Peter, the other apostles, and of course it says that very plainly in Acts chapter 5, that there are times where to obey the higher authority, where to obey God means that we have to disobey the lower authority, or the government, or whoever else that happens to be. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Now, this is not what I am. This is not what I am preaching about this morning, but this certainly applies to the fact that when they say you cannot gather for church, we ought to obey God rather than man. And I know a lot of churches erred on the side of caution when everything first came out because nobody knew exactly what was going on with this whole COVID and everything else. And I'm not going to preach about this this morning, but when the Bible says that we should be gathering together and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, just because somebody decided, well, you know, you can protest by the hundreds of thousands, but you can't go to church by the fifties or the hundreds or the thousands. That's when it's time to obey God. Rather than man, and there's many other instances when when our government is making laws that go against the word of God. Now we certainly are not out there trying to be civil dis you know we're not we're not out there trying to promote civil disobedience and all of those kind of things. You ought to pay your taxes. You ought to do those kind of things uh, because those are things that are commanded to us by the government, and we're commanded by God to obey the government when it does not go against the word of God. But when the government goes against the word of God in any way. We ought to obey God rather than man. And if you look all the way throughout Acts and and Romans and really even throughout the rest of the New Testament, you see many disciples and and even the apostles punished for obeying God. They were told, you're not going to preach the gospel. And they said, we can't help but preach the things that we've seen and heard. And they went out and preached and many of them died for the fact that they were preaching the gospel. They ought to obey God rather than man. And we ought to as well. The government ever comes out and says, you can't spread the gospel because that's hate speech. I'm sorry, we ought to obey God rather than man. I'm not trying to disobey the government, but when they give a command that goes against the word of God, we ought to obey God rather than man. Now, that, that situation, these situations are, are exceptions rather than the rule, and, and we should walk in submission to those that God has put in authority over us. But if Christians would follow this command to obey, to obey God, to obey the the commands in the word of God, there would be very few disgruntled church members. There would be very few church splits. Uh, There would be very little disagreement with the pastor that leads to people getting mad and leaving. If we follow this command to obey. So concerning the life of Christ, our example, the matter of obedience is addressed three times on the pages of Scripture. And it's those three mentions that I want to talk to you about this morning. So let's take a few minutes to talk about the obedience of Christ, the obedience of Christ, and see how we can apply that to our lives today. Let's pray, and we'll look at these three passages in the Bible. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the opportunity we have to be here this morning. I thank you for the fact that, uh, that we can meet and that we can listen and, and, and hear the word of God as it's preached. God, I pray that you'd help us to stand up for the things that are right. Regardless of the consequences, Father, I pray that you give us exactly what we need this morning, that will help us to be what you want us to be, what you need us to be, to a lost and dying world. Father, I thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I want you to see is in Hebrews chapter 5. And by the way, Hebrews is, is just such a beautiful book about Jesus Christ. And it talks about how Jesus Christ became our high priest used to be in the Old Testament that they had to go to the high priest. The high priest had to be the one that made a sacrifice on behalf of the people. And they had to go to that high priest and get him to make that sacrifice so that that sweet smell could go up to God and and, and essentially forgive their sins by showing that they were sorry for the things that they had done by making this sacrifice. But Jesus Christ became our high priest. And, the, and Hebrews is just filled with some beautiful pictures. But Jesus, we see Jesus... He says, made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That's how the book of Hebrews starts in the first chapter. And then it moves on and talks about the way that Jesus Christ is that high priest for us. But he comes to Hebrews chapter 5 in verse number 8, and the Bible says this, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, this has to do with the experience of obedience. But think about that. This is a challenging verse. Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. What exactly does that mean? If I were speaking of myself, I would say that that statement is true. Um, You know, when I was a child, I failed to obey. I learned obedience by the things which I suffered. My parents made sure that I was punished for disobeying. And I learned by the things which I suffered what obedience really meant. But Jesus Christ never disobeyed his father. He never learned obedience by being punished for disobeying. So what is he talking about here? Certainly this could not be what Christ meant. Speaking of his father, he said this in John chapter 8 and verse 29, I do always those things that please him. It says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 that he was without sin. Uh, he knew no sin, according to Second Corinthians chapter five and verse twenty-one. We're told in First John three five, in him is no sin. So it could not mean that he learned how to obey by suffering the consequences of disobedience. Now the word "learned," because it says there that he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. That word "learned" means to increase one's knowledge or to learn by use and practice. Now, now this is starting to make sense. It's not that Christ learned how to obey, but rather that he learned about obedience from the human perspective. Now, we said that Jesus Christ was all God and all man at the same time. So from the heavenly perspective, obedience was always welcomed. It was always honored. It was always uh, lauded. It was the proper thing to do. And it was only obedience and rebellion that provoked a negative response. I mean, you see what happened from the very first time that obedience took place in the Garden of Eden with Adam. It was met with a very negative response. It had been always that everything was done the way that God wanted it to be done. The angels obeyed. Adam obeyed. Eve even obeyed doing the things that God told them to do. But then Adam sinned in the garden. And it was met with a negative response. But, th- you know, the lauding of obedience was not met with Uh, It was not true upon the earth. When he was wrapped in a robe of flesh, there was an entirely new perspective to be learned about obedience. Now, turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. You're not too far from there. Obedience to God is not always welcomed or rewarded on earth. And we see that in Acts chapter 5. Peter and the apostles were beaten, the Bible says, in Daniel chapter 3, the Hebrew boys were cast into the fiery furnace for obeying God on this earth. Daniel was thrown into the den of lions. Can we look at how the writer of Hebrews described it? He says this in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 36, And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Why? Because they were obeying God rather than man. They were spreading the message of the gospel. That's why most of them suffered the things that they suffered. But the Bible says they they were cut in half. That's what it means. They were, they were sawn asunder. They were stoned. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. I mean, they, they lived difficult lives because they were obeying God. So obedience is not always lauded on this earth. Obedience is not always honored on this earth. And we have to understand that obedience in this life carries with it a heavy price. Maybe not necessarily in America, but it's coming I believe within the next 20 years, there's going to be laws out there that say that we cannot spread the message of the gospel. There's going to be things that they're trying to tell us what we can and cannot preach in our own churches. We're getting a taste of that right now by the fact that they're not even telling us what can and can't be preached, but that you can't even meet in church. I've talked about this before, but but Pastor Treiber out there with North Valley Baptist Church in California, they're being charged $5,000, fine, $5,000 every time they meet. And on top of that, so this is by the state of California, on top of that, the county of Santa Clara that they are in is charging them, fining them $50,000 a week for meeting. On top of the fines that they're getting from the state, $5,000 every time they meet. Could you imagine that? This is America. And they're allowed to go out and do all of these protesting and everything else. The virus is not being spread by protesting. It's being spread by people sitting in church, Right? But they're telling us that we can't even meet in churches. Don't tell me that in 15 or 20 years or sooner. They're not going to be trying to tell us you can't preach against that. That's hate speech. They're already saying it. They're already saying it. They just haven't made laws about it yet. There's going to come a day when we're going to have to stand up for the truth of the word of God. And there might be a day when we're sawn asunder. There might be a day when we're slain by the sword. There might be a day when we're destitute and wandering around in caves and in mountains and sheepskins and goatskins because we're being forced out. I sure hope that doesn't happen, but there's a possibility that they will come, and they went through that. This is Hebrews chapter 11 we're talking about. This is all of the, the the great hall of faith Christians that have gone on before us, and this is what the Bible describes as their life. This is what Christ learned as he obeyed his Father's will. He was willing to test, if you will, the power of obedience in suffering to become personally and practically acquainted with the nature of obedience in the middle of extended suffering. That's what Jesus Christ went through, and that's what the Bible is talking about when he says he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Now let me share with you then the application. How does this apply to us? Jesus Christ left us an example that we should learn by all of our afflictions, that we should learn by, by our trials, by our hardships, by our sufferings, a humble obedience to the will of God. We need afflictions to teach us submission. And I can just hear everyone saying, "Great, bring on the affliction. Let me have all of it that I can get. I want to be obedient to Christ." Oh, no, none of most of us are not saying that, because we don't want to go through affliction. We don't want to go through trials. We don't want to have to face the difficulties. The truth is more like, "Well, that's great, but I hope it stays away from me." right? We wouldn't necessarily say that out loud, maybe, but in your mind, you're thinking, boy, I I sure hope that doesn't happen. Oh, it's great that afflictions bring me in more of obedience to Christ. It's great that it brings me more in submission to Christ, but stay away from me. I don't want those afflictions, right? And that's only natural, but we have to learn that the object of affliction is to lead us to Christ. We've come to Christ for salvation, but we need to be drawn closer to him, and many times that only happens When we go through afflictions, in prosperity, we forget it. We become self-centered instead of God-centered. We become self-confident. Many times we even become rebellious against the things of God. Because when things go well, oh, this is great. We're not thinking about all those other things. Then, God lays his hand upon us. He breaks up our plans. crushes our hopes. He takes away our health or whatever it is. And he teaches us that we must Be submissive to his will. Some of the most valuable lessons of obedience are learned in the furnace of affliction. Job saw that happen, right? The Bible says, When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Gold is a very precious metal. In fact, gold is so malleable that one ounce of gold can be spread out over 300 square feet. That's how how thin gold can be made. But we talked about the process of silver and gold goes through much the same process. But gold has to be raised to a, a heat of something like 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit in order for it to get hot enough to be purified. That's hot. That's affliction. And that's what the Bible says. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And that doesn't mean that we got to go through a 2,000 degree furnace to be... But it means we're going to go through afflictions. It means we got to go through trials. It means we have to go through things that are not pleasant to get us to the place where God can use us. And many of the most submissive children of an almighty God have been made so as a result of extended suffering. I don't even know who uh, said this or where this quote originated, but someone said it this way. Repeated afflictions come, not as lightning on the scathed tree, blasting it yet more and more, but as the strokes of the sculptor on the marble block forming it into the image of beauty and loveliness. Let the divine presence be felt, and no lot is hard. Let me but see his hand, and no event is unwelcome. No one wants hardships. No one wants afflictions. But it's in that furnace that we're forced to learn obedience. That's the experience of his obedience. But notice the second place where the obedience of Christ is brought to our attention, and that's in Philippians chapter 2. And if I was to ask you turn, turn there, if you will... If I, was, if I was to ask you, give me one verse about the obedience of Christ, this is probably where most of you would have turned, because we're familiar with this passage. And the Bible talks about very extensively in Philippians chapter 2 the, the, the suffering that Jesus Christ went through and how he was, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And this shows us the extent of the obedience of Christ, the extent of his obedience, obedience unto death. The demand was great. The cost was high. But Christ submitted himself to his father's will, even unto death. You want to talk about somebody that's important, right? Everybody, oh, the, the, the president of the United States, he's the most important man in the world. He has to be protected at all costs. Nothing can happen to the president of the United States. And there's many other people around the world who would fit into that same category. But then you get down to presidents of companies or CEOs of companies. And, oh, he's the most important thing. we got to protect him. And then you get down to, to people like us, you know. Oh, I'm the most important thing on this earth. Nothing can happen to me, right? And then you realize that there's a whole lot of people that are way more important than you are, right? Uh, but Jesus Christ, if anybody was the most important person on this earth at the time, it was Jesus Christ. Not only was He God, He was there to save the entire world and not just from you know physical harm, He was there to save them eternally. And yet Jesus Christ was willing to obey his Father's will even to the death. In fact, had He not obeyed his Father's will even to death, there would be no salvation. There would be none of these other things. What a tremendous example for us to emulate. What an example to show us how well-suited Jesus Christ was to be a savior for mankind. And he's he's shown that the most perfect obedience can be manifested in the deepest sorrow of the body and of the soul. Not difficulty, not danger, not disapproval by the world. None of these things are valid excuses for keeping us from doing what God wants us to do. We saw that in Hebrews chapter 11, what they were willing to suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ. And yet, oh well, the government's going to make, you know, people are going to make fun of me for going to church because the government says that we can't. Really? Really? When others are willing to be cut in half for the cause of Christ, and you're afraid that you're going to get made fun of, well, I don't, I can't knock on doors because, oh, you know me, I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not a confrontational guy, and I'm just afraid that somebody's going to tell me no, or I'm afraid that somebody's going to kick me off their porch, or I'm afraid that if I go tell my coworkers that they're going to, you know, nickname me Reverend and start laughing at me or whatever else, I can't, I can't do that. Really, when somebody's willing to be sawn in half with a sword? or stoned, or imprisoned, or live in caves that you can't be made fun of? That's about the extent of the suffering that we have in the United States. It really is. I mean, I I don't know of anybody in the United States that's had their head cut off. I mean, in the United States, there have been people that have gone from the United States and had their head cut off by some of these other militant groups in in different countries, but who's had their head cut off in the United States for sharing the gospel? Nobody. Nobody because we don't suffer persecution in the United States for sharing the gospel. We think we do because we're being made fun of. We think we do because they laugh at us and nickname us and whatever else. That's nothing compared to being willing to sacrifice everything, even unto death. That's what Jesus Christ was willing to do. So just like our perfect example, we have to strive to be obedient unto death. That is the extent of our obedience. There was a story that was told about a man who worked in one of the great forests of the South, and this was years ago now, but his faithful dog was burned to death in a great fire that had swept through the forest, and it was said that this man left his little dog under a tree to guard his dinner pail. And that dog wouldn't leave even when he was completely surrounded by fire. I wish I could get my dog to sit, but... Uh, You know, this guy obviously had his dog well-trained. My dog sits, so that's about it. But anyway, this this man came back and found his dog. And, of course, he was brokenhearted when he found the the charred remains of that little dog sitting next to the tree. And with tears in his face, he said this. He said, I always had to be careful what I told him to do because I knew he would do it. That is the kind of obedience that Christ has called us to could Christ say that about you? Gotta be careful to tell him what to do, because I know he's gonna do it. Who do you say that about? You? Well, look, we're given many commands in the Bible on how to live, on what to do, on how to act. Some we know, some we don't. But just because we can claim ignorance doesn't mean that we can't—that we should not be doing what the Bible tells us to do. We should be studying the Word of God to know what it is that we should be doing. Well, you can say, "Well, I didn't, I didn't realize that going to eighty-five miles an hour was a was uh was an offense." Well, read the book. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, just, I haven't read the book in a while, so I didn't realize that you could get a ticket for speeding. Well, that's not John's fault. He's going to give you a ticket, and you're going to show up in court, right? You should have read the book and known that that was a, that was a ticketable offense, right? You can't claim ignorance before the law. I'm sorry if you didn't know it. It's your responsibility to know it. And yet, when it comes to the Word of God, well, I didn't know that was something that we shouldn't be doing. Study it. Read it. Come to church. Listen to what's being preached about how we ought to live. That's how you learn what's in the laws. That's how you learn what the, the commands of Christ are. But most of the time, it's not that we don't know what the commands are. It's just that we choose not to do those commands. Don't think for a minute that you'd be willing to be burned at the stake for Jesus Christ if you're not willing to do what you know Christ has commanded you to do today. Oh, I'll be willing to go to the death for Christ. I think everybody, if I asked you to raise your hand, would say, Yes, I'd be willing to die for him. But don't think for a minute that you'd be willing to be obedient even unto death. You're not even willing to be obedient in life. you aren't living like a Christian, if you aren't witnessing like we're commanded to, to witness, if you're not praying and spending time in the Bible just to name a few, don't pretend that you would be obedient unto death. Jesus Christ showed the extent of his obedience by being obedient even unto death, the Bible says. "You see the experience of his obedience, the extent of his obedience. And lastly, let's direct our attention to a third incidence in which the obedience of Christ is noted in Romans chapter 5. Turn over to Romans chapter 5. We're bringing it all together quickly with this point. Because in Hebrews, or Romans chapter 5, the Bible says this in verse number 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Who is that talking about? Adam. One man's disobedience, many were made sinners. And if you read through the rest of Romans chapter 5, and actually in verse 12, the Bible says, for as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We came from Adam. Every single person in this entire world is a descendant of Adam and Eve. And because they sinned, we are also born with that sin nature. And so he says in Romans chapter 5, and verse 19, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And this verse shows us the effect of obedience. The effect of Christ's obedience. In this chapter, Paul is painting a contrast between the disobedience of Adam and the obedience of Christ, right? Adam's disobedience brought punishment. Christ's obedience brought pardon. Adam's disobedience made men sinners. Christ's obedience made men saints. Adam's disobedience ushered us along the pathway to hell. Christ's obedience ushered us and gave us a way to get to heaven, There's the effect of Christ's obedience. And I don't think any of us can honestly know the extent of the obedience that we have toward God until we look back and see how God has used us because of our obedience. How many souls will be won because we were willing to obey the Holy Spirit when he prompted us to go tell somebody about Jesus Christ? How many souls will be won because we obeyed the command to go out and witness, and we went out knocking on doors, and even though we didn't see anybody get saved that day, we put a track on somebody's door, and they read the gospel, and they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. We'll never know the extent of our obedience, I don't think, until we stand before Christ. But how many of our kids will grow up and live for Christ because we obediently came to church, and brought them with us because we obediently lived like Christians at home as well as at church and because we were faithful to teach them the word of God. I don't think we'll ever know the extent of our obedience. Well, because the jury's out on my life, let alone on my kids, It will be for a long time. But I know that I'm commanded to be in church and to have them here I know that I'm commanded to read the word of God and to share it with my children I know that I'm commanded to teach them what the Bible says about how we ought to live I know that I'm commanded to live like a Christian and to teach them how to live like a Christian and if I'm doing those things I don't think we'll ever know the effect of the extent of our obedience but it's promised it's promised how many crowns will be won because we obediently live for Christ There's no way to predict the exact effects of our obedience. But make no mistake that our obedience, or our lack thereof, is going to have long-lasting effects. A businessman was well known for his ruthlessness. He said this to Mark Twain once. Before I die, I'm going to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And I'm going to climb to the top of Mount Sinai. And on the top of Mount Sinai, I'm going to read the Ten Commandments. Now, Mark Twain was not known for being a Christian by any stretch, but Mark Twain turned to that man and he said, I have a better idea. You could stay in Boston and keep them. And isn't that the way that God expects us to live? We can pretend all we want to that we're Christians. We can pretend all we want to that we, you know, we're going to go to Mount Sinai and all this experience in the Holy Land or whatever else it is. But the best thing that we can do is just obey Just obey. Just do what the Bible tells us to do. A father and a son arrived in a small western town looking for an uncle that they had never seen. Suddenly, the father pointed across the street and he said, that's my uncle right there. little boy, he said, you've never seen him before. How do you know that that's your uncle? He said, son, I know it because he walks exactly like my father. Boy, what a lesson for us. How many of us can be pointed out. Son, there's a Christian right there. How do you know that? He walks exactly like my Father. God is our Father. Jesus Christ is our great example. How many of us are so obedient to the Word of God that somebody could point us out and say, that's a Christian. How do you know He walks just like my Father? He acts just like Jesus. We walk in the Spirit, and the world should know us by our walk and by our obedience. I have to honestly examine my own life when it comes to this matter of obedience. Have I experienced obedience? Am I following Christ? Have I been saved? Is my life separated? Am I serving God? What is the extent of of my obedience? Where do I draw the line and refuse to obey Because most of us are not going to say, nope, I'm not doing that. We just don't. We just don't. Where do I draw the line to say, nope, I'm not doing that? Well, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do that. Nope, that's that's over the line for me. I'm not obeying that command. What will be the effect of my obedience? The honest truth is, I don't know if we'll ever know the effect until we stand before God. We'll never know how many people we won to Christ. Not just why we told about Christ, but how we lived before Christ. We'll never know the effect that our obedience is going to have when we obey the Word of God. We don't just do it when we're around people who expect us to live like a Christian. We do it at home. We do it at work. We do it in our communities. We do it everywhere. We'll never know the effect that that obedience to Christ has. I don't think, until we stand before it. Now We can look back and we can see the extent of the obedience of those that we have listed out in the Bible. We can see Hebrews chapter 11 and, and their obedience and how their obedience led to faith and, and so many great things. But that was not known until after they were gone. It was not known until they well after they were gone and written about. And I don't know if it will ever be known on this earth. Someday it will be known. The Bible says... Uh, Paul wrote, as unknown and yet well-known. Sounds like an oxymoron. How can you be unknown and yet well-known? I'll tell you how. Unknown on this earth doesn't mean a whole lot. There's nobody, I mean, obviously there's a few people in this area who know who I am, but outside of this area, my name is not going to be known in the United States. My name is not going to be known in the world. There's not going to be books written about me and my life. I'm not going to write an autobiography, mainly because I don't even know what I'd call it, but other than that, nobody's going to talk about who I am. I'm unknown in this life. But I tell you what, I want to be well-known in heaven. You know how you get well-known in heaven? Obey. Just obey. Just do what God tells you to do. It's not that we don't know it. It well decide we don't want to do it. And it's not, well, I've finally come to a decision. I'm going to disobey God. We don't say that. We just don't obey. And those effects go a whole lot farther, many times, than we even realize. On the other hand, it's a whole lot easier. To, you, you don't have to teach a kid to disobey. People. You have to teach them, oh, no, no, no over and get you obey. But there has to come a point where they make a decision in their life where they say, you know what, I'm tired of the consequences, I'm tired of getting yelled at, I'm tired of all these things, I'm just going to obey. That's where we have to get with You know what? I'm tired of living life defeated. I'm tired of living life just mediocre. I'm tired of living life just going through life trying to get along. I want to obey. And there has to come a point where we make that decision. Tell you this, we'll never know the effect until someday we stand before God that our obedience has on eternity. Jesus Christ is our greatest gift. He He was willing to obey even unto death. Can you say that? Can you say that? Father, we love you again. We thank you so much for the fact that. You sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross, but in the process of that, he became a great example to us of obedience. God, I pray that you'd help us to emulate the life of Christ in our own lives. That's what our goal ought to be. That's what we should be striving for in every aspect of our life. But sometimes, sometimes, we allow the devil to derail those plans of living for God. We get sidetracked, we get blindsided by things that come up in, uh, in this life, and we get so distracted by those things, And what you really just want from us is obedience, obedience even unto death. God, I pray that you would bless our obedience. I, pr- I pray that there would be some in here this morning that will just make a decision that they're going to obey no matter what, do what the Bible says that we should be doing no matter what. God, I think we'll be surprised by the outcome. I think we'll be so thankful. When we stand before God someday, I think we'll be so thankful. That we just obeyed. I pray that you help everyone of us to make the decision. This morning that so we will just obey. We should be God Thank you for what you do for us, Saint Jesus. If you would, stand at your seats with your heads it's bowed and your closed. eyes closed.